This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Doug. Doug, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello, all you wonderful mutant goons from beyond, which I stalk all the texts in the group. <laughs> yeah, our Patreon patron chat has been just booming as of late. Uh, topics ranging from everything from like mental health to politics to I think I had a long diatribe about parental advice to Jason from the direct to VHS podcast free plug. There you go. And yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I've been really happy with it. It's it's very cool to see everybody kind of come together during this uh, period of epic strife and turmoil. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing everyone's uh, was a Halloween desserts and Halloween stuff that they were posting on there. So a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, Doug, now that there's going to be a new world order, are you putting most of your money into munitions or into gasoline and jarred goods? Well, I'd say munitions, but um, my license expired. Uh, but you want to know what? Toilet paper. We learned our lesson before. Stock up on toilet paper and uh, fresh meat if you can, because you can freeze that shit. There you go. You got people who are like, oh, you know, you, you buy the munitions so that you could take the stuff from everybody else. But all I'm going to do, I, I read the three little pigs, motherfucker. I'm going to build myself a brick house with all my shit paper inside. And if you want to come and bring them out into Mahab and you want to take your guns and, and ask me for my shit paper, you're going to bring me the stuff you stole from someone else. I like your thinking. Hmm. Yeah. See, we learned our lesson the first time. Let's not let this happen again. But by the time this gets out, uh, you know, we're, we're recording early on. So we'll see if we don't survive. This is our last hurrah. Yeah. See, there's uh, another perk of being a Patreon patron. You get the fun group chat, but also you get episodes early so that you know what the hell we're talking about when we're saying it because sometimes when i'm editing these i'm like oh what the fuck was it oh yep that was so long ago in the world of 2020 <laughs> so doug how was your halloween well my halloween was uh just halloween work and i came home no trick-or-treaters or anything and and i kind of went all out on the decorations this year you hire and i we made it uh kind of doctor theme yeah coronavirus you're the you're the rona and uh yeah so we just kind of we just kind of sat after we both got home from work we just kind of sat down and watched some movies and uh, that's about it. Some horror movies. That's it. Yeah. For my kiddos, we did a reverse trick or treat where we had family members stationed behind every door of our house. And so my, my daughter went door to door trick or treating indoors, you know, with people who had been quarantining and everything. So that was cute. But at the same point, it's like, you know, she's I think we got one more. So if this shit doesn't you know, straighten up and fly right in that next year, I think, you know, because my earliest memories are like age three. And if she gets there, she's going to remember this shit and remember how weird everything was. I can't have her formative experiences with Halloween being fucked up. So everybody put on your goddamn ass. Use your Purell. Stay the fuck away from each other. I mean, how the fuck? I'm going to say this. How the fuck many people did I see at these parties on Halloween not wearing masks? I'm like, that's the one party you're supposed to wear a mask, cocksucker. Yeah, they don't listen. And you want to know what? They're going to complain and say, why are the numbers soaring again? We were doing everything good. It doesn't <laughs> exist. So yeah, just like an addict, it just takes one slip up and then you end up Didi Ramon. So anyway, I know you and I did one of the same things when it came to Halloween. We both attended the Haunted Hay Ride in our 
pimped out rides. Actually, mine's very not pimped out. It's a dad mobile. But anyway, the Haunted Hay ride for LA this year was in car. How'd you like it, Doug? I actually enjoyed it um, a lot. It was in uh, Bonelli Park. So Bonelli Park, by the way, it's it's a beautiful place, but I had no idea there was that open spot in the back with that spot where we had the drive-in theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Now, the only thing I can say, I'm, I'm not sure if you had the same thing. So when you first enter and you drive through like all the props and everything kind of sit up, sat up there. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other cars behind you are like speeding through there. I'm like, no, no, slow the fuck down. I want to look at these decorations here. <laughs> and, you know, you got people honking and then getting mad and turning in the front. I'm like, so they put all those decorations up for what? So you drive real quick for them or are you going to slowly look at everything? Yeah, it was pretty bizarre. I agree. Like I had people who would just bypass the whole ride and then you go on, like passing on the left. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at like a haunted school bus and I'm looking at like these werewolf things. And my, I mean, my favorite one, I don't know what your favorite one is, if you remember that specifically, because it feels like a thousand years ago. But I really loved the boat with all the big glowing tentacles out. So I just sat and stared at that for a couple minutes and I knew I created a little bit of a log jam. But I mean, that's the point. You're not going to give me something shiny and expect me to just go about my merry way, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. So that's the part where I thought people didn't get about a haunt. You know what I mean? It's like, because uh, I, I sat there and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, um, it looked like a 1700s New England. There was like four dolls set up and like each one had was uh, dismembered. I don't know if you remember that. It was near that big giant spider. Yeah, absolutely. That one was awesome. And then probably my second favorite would be like the ticket booth where they had Monty Volta and he's in there and he's like you know cat calling people and stuff which it really made it feel like halloween you know because you know last year i didn't really do anything on halloween day so my last like haunt type thing was midsummer scream and so that was kind of in that same vein and it was not near the same obviously between the glass and the steel door and everything but it was still somewhat similar and it was kind of nice well, that's cool. Yeah, I enjoyed, uh, yeah, the host of the show. When I first realized, I kind of geeked out. I'm like, oh, hey, wait a minute. That's the guy we just saw on the big screen. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of, because um, Joe Bob Briggs did some sort of thing similar this year. I didn't go to that one. I just went to the uh, the one in Bonelli Park. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah. it was really cool. It was like an interactive uh, driving movie. The lights all flicker off. And then you got monsters kind of running around the cars there. Yeah. And I thought the monsters got really creative. I had one, he came up. And he was acting like he was popping my tires and he crept down in front of the hood of my car with a big knife and he stood up and he was holding this like broke ass license plate as if he had stolen my license plate. And it was just so much fun, like little things like that. And it was also cool because of like how well lit everything was to see other people get scared and see like even if I wasn't being subjected to this stuff, being able to see like how exciting it was and how you know you had people like just giddy, like watching some ghoul walk across at a you know big parking lot to their car and have that like burst of release when they finally got the attention of that person. It was I really enjoyed it. I was super happy with the experience. And for the price, I really didn't feel ripped off at all. No, I didn't feel ripped off at all. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than there was one at the uh, Pomona Fairgrounds we went to. And then that one was just, woof. I felt ripped off on that one. That was but this no, year? This one was really good. Yeah, that was the, uh, I don't even remember what it was. Just haunted, haunted drive through. It was very short. No one came out to the car. And uh, most of the stuff was like, I think there was like four monsters maybe that were just animatronics, not animatronics, but just mannequins in the middle of the road. I'm like, okay, well, this oh, sucks. How neat. I was pissed. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking ripoff, dude. Yeah. But hey, at least we did some sort of haunts. And you want to know what? We saved money because I don't know about you, but every October I like to go to Universal Horror Nights. And yep. That gets expensive. It really does. Another good thing with the price of the Haunted Hayride is 
I mean, yeah, if you're paying to sit in your car, whatever, but you're also basically bankrolling the next thing. Because think about like a seasonal haunt like this, like the payroll protection plan and everything with COVID that doesn't fucking exist for those people right now. You know, in terms of like being able to hold over, this isn't holdover money. They have seasonal employees. All these things are very fluid. So by patronizing these things now, we're basically holding over until next year when hopefully, knock on wood, things are back to normal. So there actually is something to come back to because a lot of these these like small mom and pop things, they're never going to get the time of day. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah, no, I agree. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad my money went to that because they definitely did a good job. I, I can only imagine what they do regularly, you know, when it's not drive through like that and kind of stuck in the car. Yeah, I was really impressed with it. And it. Also, when you think about it, like, I don't know how long they had to commit to this idea because yeah, COVID has been around since like February, March is where things really started getting fucky. You know, so if that's the case, you got about six months to do it, but they had short films they had set design they had all like full characters made they had rules in place they had signage all of these things very detailed very clean very linear and it's an incredible amount of work and ingenuity that went into it so i was really happy with that element of it too just like it was so fun even obviously i'm not gonna get scared at some guy outside of my car but it was cool to see the ingenuity and like almost like figuring out how the magic trick worked of like how the fuck did they pull this off you know like how did they sit there and come up with all of these things and all this in such a short time? And that was probably the most fun part for me. Oh, yeah. And I, I enjoyed it a lot because uh, the the people that you've seen in the not necessarily the short films they showed, but like the uh, the whole host segments and stuff. What I liked is that all the monsters were related to the drive in movies. So you had the concession stand girl. You had the people that go down the aisles. there, the ushers. And it, it just felt cool. It was like it was like a dead drive in. And then you had some guys with like bull masks and chainsaws, too. So good mix. <laughs> Absolutely. And so did you watch anything cool for Halloween this year? I did. I watched uh, I watched a few things. Uh, one of them, one of them uh, was uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. I think that was the only watched on Halloween. Hell yes. Some ice cold Miak. Yeah. Went all the way to Ink, Bulgaria for this. But yeah, so we watched that. And then uh, there was some good stuff on Shudder too. And there was another one too. I, it's a it's a brief one, but I'll give it a shout out here. But if you, it, it's, I knew nothing about it. I didn't even know it existed until I saw it going through the aisles at, at Target. And I'm like, oh, Spree, this looks interesting. And I watched the trailer so i bought the blu-ray for like 12 bucks it's actually a really creepy movie it's a good movie but um it has the kid from stranger things in there the the bull, the babysitter guy oh, okay cool yeah that but, hot uh, yeah, son of a bitch who was a power ranger right was he a power ranger the mullet kid billy or maybe he was i don't know yeah dude no he's the other one uh the the one that was in all the seasons he oh, was like the bad guy jonathan oh no no steve steve yeah that he's also a handsome son of a bitch he's ben yeah, schwartz's he's got- illegitimate son <laughs> or just like shaggy um you yeah. know <laughs> millennial shaggy yeah so that i'll give a shout out to that because that was a very good movie he's like this live streamer who wants to become internet famous so he go- he does uber rides and like po- poisons the water and then just kind of go through a bunch of red lights and that eventually kills him he gets like all the trolls like we get on the internet here that are like oh fake fake oh show me their cut- severed head and stuff or, or uh, you're not or it's you're faking it wow so, good movie interesting premise i like that yeah but other than that it was just kind of a mix of uh a mix of other movies here and there. I remember uh, Maximum Overdrive, Little Monsters. Hell yes. Howie Mandel at his finest, baby. You know, Little Monsters, I'll be honest, it kind of sucked rewatching it after all these years. Dude, yeah. It doesn't hold up near as well as I thought it would. I watched it. I mean, I've watched it like two or three times in the last couple of years. And every time I'm just like, I'm thinking I'm going to recapture that magic and it's just, it's not really there. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think Howie Mandel is just, 
too, I don't know, it's just like too too much wannabe Beetlejuice and or drop yep. dead Fred. So hundred percent. It's like a watered down Beetlejuice at that. Mm-hmm. And then also like the mythology yeah. kind of doesn't make sense and stuff. And it's just like, uh, you know. Well, know. you watch it again. It's it's almost like child trafficking. He's going there to groom yeah. <laughs> you know, the kid. And it's like, oh, yeah, tell your friends, too, because we need to recruit them to be monsters. Yeah. For Halloween this year, my wife got me because she knows I'm a big goon when it comes to Abbott and Costello stuff. She got me a box set of all of their Universal Monster movies. Actually, all of their Universal movies in its entirety. So I think it's like 28 films. And so we got to watch, you know, they meet Frankenstein and Boris Karloff the killer and stuff. And she's never seen fuck all for Abbott and Costello aside from who's on first. So that was a hell of a lot of fun being able to be like, oh, you see, that's actually Lon Chaney. That's like, that's the actual Wolfman. That's the man of a thousand faces. Oh, oh that that's, you know, Bella Lugosi. Oh, that's Glenn Strange. And, and talk to her about those things. And then, you know, like being so excited because like, yeah, you don't get Boris Karloff as Frankenstein. It's creature, monster, whatever in this. But the next one. It's actually him and he gets to be more of an Imhotep character and blah, blah, blah. And she's sitting there being very polite. And I just had to mention it because, God, I'm just the fucking worst. To, I, I hate hearing myself talk. I can only imagine what it's like for her. Uh, so she didn't appreciate it at the end. It's like, mm, you're telling me all this useless information I don't need. No, she was really <laughs> polite about it. And she did like legitimately laugh quite a few times through it. Uh, you know, I think probably midway through when it comes to Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein it gets a little bit yeah what's happening like why like what's Dracula's motivation in resurrecting Frankenstein blah 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 but then the ending of that movie is so good it, I think I don't think she enjoyed it I think she enjoyed me watching it because it's one of my favorite endings to any movie ever have you ever seen it I personally have not no okay so the movie's over 50 years old so I'm gonna spoil it here hot goss this is the the exclusive on slashes podcast so they're escaping the castle wolfman tackles dracula they fall off of a fucking cliff it's crazy then the monster is pursuing them and they run onto a dock they jump onto a boat they're gonna try and boat away the boat is still tethered so they're trying to figure out how to get it out of it and a guy who's like a lab assistant is pouring gasoline on the deck of the dock and sets it on fire so you have frankenstein's monster on fire sinks through the the deck disappears right and so you got abbott and costello and they finally breathe like oh whew. Yeah, at least there's no more monsters and all of a sudden you see this puff of smoke come out of nowhere and vincent butt fucking price voices the invisible man and laughs as they jump overboard and run away because they're shocked that like they're sharing with him and it's just such a campy silly fun ending and it's also like vincent price and he's not even credited in the role but just the fact that it exists and he got to say like two sentences next to them and it's it's so fucking great and i if you've never found something that you're passionate about that's old please like i will talk to anybody about marx brothers and abbott and costello and i'll even talk about the goddamn stooges not the iggy pop ones the three but whatever uh well see i'm on team stooge i actually love i just watched the stooges uh the other night actually i've been obsessed with them since i was younger so yeah that's that's my cup of tea the stupid slapstick how interesting like i i grew up a marx brothers kid because my dad like he was kind of bitter towards the three stooges because his mom like wouldn't let him watch it because it was too violent but he was even very aware at the absurdity of it at the time because he was like but tom and jerry is way more violent like these cartoons are way more violent than what the stooges are doing but he wasn't allowed to watch the one and not the other and so i remember one time he got very concerned about me watching like ren and stimpy 
Uh, but then he let me watch Celebrity Deathmatch. And I even kind of called him out on it. <laughs> it was just weird. Like, hold on. You're saying that this like, kind of weird sexual content's bad, but like I can watch clay people like decapitate and dismember each other. And he's like, well, yeah, it's a clay. And I'm like, uh, but you know, teach their own. <laughs> yeah. So, so clay getting killed, ki- beaten up and killed is okay, but animation's not. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did your parents ever have any of those like weird like do as I say, not as I do like rules that didn't make any goddamn sense with you? Uh, Not really with me. I mean, at the time they were just like, oh, yeah, I, honestly, I was watching like movies like Critters and Child's Play and I was like three or four. So <laughs> thanks to my grandma, she's the one that got them out. But no, they didn't really say much. I remember uh, I think the only thing is like if someone was having sex on a movie and then they're like, oh, no, cover your eyes. But yeah. That's about it. Same you know? like, exact thing. <laughs> But my mom let me watch the Sharon Stone scene in Basic Instinct because she thought it was like empowering to women. And I was like, okay, neato. But like, just like you, I was the kid who I very vividly remember being at my grandma's house and it was HBO or Showtime or one of those bullshit things. And my grandma thought that I was watching Problem Child. But what I was watching was Child's Play. And that's a very different movie. And I had a lot of fun with it. I'm a lifelong Brad Dorif fan ever since. So I mean, that's something that came out of it. Oh, awesome. Yes. Yeah, everyone has their stories of uh, what they were allowed to watch and what they weren't. <laughs> so. Yeah. So what do you got for us this week, Mr. Dougie Boy? All right. Well, uh, I had a few different topics here and I kind of had to sum it down to one. And I think with, with just all the craziness in the world right now, sometimes it's good to just lay down, relax and pop on a game. And even if you're not into, you know, the new video games, I'm not personally, you know, and I got my PS4. The first thing I got was Atari Classics Volume 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Crash Bandicoot. And I'm, I'm into all those types of games. But are you a Spyro guy? Yeah, I like Spyro. And Crash, I actually liked Crash a little more just because it was so much harder. And I, I'm a, I'm into BDSM and I like hard things. And <laughs> if it's challenging, yeah. The, the, by, by the way, Crash Four—that's a fucking hard game. So, oh yeah, yeah. Is it like unforgiving hard, like Super Meat Boy, or is it like enjoyable throughout? It, no, it's enjoyable. It's fun, but um, it's it's frustrating. There's times when I just kind of turn off the game. I'm like, okay, you know what? Fuck this. Because you can go through each level, but you have to collect a certain amount of boxes. Some of them are hidden, and you don't get game overs anymore. You get death counters. So anytime you die, it kind of racks up the count. And Ooh. through each level, in order to like pass it with an A plus and get like all your gems, you can only die three times, and you got to get all, all all the boxes times. So it's hard. <laughs> oh, how interesting! That's really a unique way. Have you ever heard of the game Karateka? So there was an original game called Karateka back years and years ago that this guy did. I think it was for Apple II. And it's just a karate game, right? And it's got a little bit of, you know, storytelling, whatever. So they, he ended up like being part of a remake that came out. I think it was like 2012. And so just like you're saying, it didn't matter how many times you died. It, what would happen is you would play through and you're a guy trying to get his lover, right? And if it's the if he is the hardest to play as, he's the weakest and he's you know not good. And so the learning curve is much, much, much steeper, right? And if you die, what happens is he falls off cliff and it goes to the next guy who's trying to win the love of the same woman. And so if you win as that guy, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, she's pretty happy. It's not true love, but it's not bad. And then if you die with him, you get to a guy, the character you're playing as is fucking invincible, but she'll never be that happy with you. She will have settled for you. And so it's like this weird, like cool idea to like get around the gamification of life and death. Mm, well, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I, I think I've heard of it before, too. It sounds like an angry video game nerd, uh, something he's done before. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Which shout out to James Rolfe. That channel fucking rules still. I mean, it, it amazes me that he's still putting out content. I enjoy a decade later oh yeah no he, yeah he does a great work and uh, yeah he's not into all that youtube drama
Instagram and like all these ones. It's like, yo, 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 subscribe right. to my channel. Smash that uh, subscribe button. Boy, boy, boy. <laughs> hey, you got that down good. Dude, the but, worst um, sound yeah. in the world to me is uh, rabbits being boiled alive. And number two to that would be a guy going, what's up, guys? It's your boy Blah from YouTube. And I'm just like, please, God. <laughs> Yeah, it's your boy. Well, if you don't like that, don't watch Spree because there's a lot of that in there. But I like it when it's the person getting their comeuppance, like never hike alone. So it works out. Okay. All right, cool. But yes, this game I'm going to talk tonight. Uh, you can play it on PlayStation, Xbox, and just recently on the Switch. It's great. It is Dead by Daylight. Dude. Yeah, Dead by Daylight. When you texted me about this, I was super stoked. I know quite a few of our Patreon patrons and fans love this game, and I'm excited to kind of deep dive with it. Oh, yeah, it's great. So, so yeah, the, the thing with Dead by Daylight is I didn't find out about it until later in 2018, and uh, I was a big Friday the 13th fan. So the thing is, that game was great, but then you know, with the whole lawsuit about Friday the 13th, they weren't able to make new content for the game. Yeah. So I was looking around, and uh, yeah, Dead by Daylight popped up, and I played it, and at first when I first played it, I didn't know what the fuck to do. I was like, okay, so do I just survive and hide like in Friday the 13th or is there an objective? And uh, I didn't like it at first, but the more I played it, the more I actually played it more than Friday the 13th. And uh, to this day, it's actually one of my favorite games now because you can pick it up and play. Um, it's an online game, so that there's that. Uh, it's a five-player game, one killer and uh, four survivors. Yep. And what you got to do, it's like reverse Pac-Man, if you think about it. Because <laughs> uh, instead of – yeah, it would be basically – uh, four Pac-Mans and one ghost. There you go. So, so yeah, chasing you around the maze, and you got to get five generators. So, what you do with the generator? I'm sure if the mutant goons have already played this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So, I'll just go through that brief. But uh, yeah, the generators basically just sit there and hold the buttons, and quick time events pop up, and you got to hit the button on the right placement. And if you don't do it, then it alerts the killer. It makes like a little aura on his screen, and they go after you. And the point of the game is for the killer to sacrifice you twice. They hook you twice. And the last time you're sacrificed, and uh, so it's a good balance within the game too, because you know the killer is a little frustrating to play as sometimes if the survivors are good. But yeah, once all four people are sacrificed to the entity of horror, which uh, you know it almost seems like cabin in the woods. There because, you go. Yeah, yeah. All these killers kind of serve this entity that that requires you know pain and and sacrifices, and uh, not to mention too, there, there's some great characters you can play as uh, with downloadable content or even the in-game ones. Oh yeah, and uh, you got the remake of. Freddy Krueger, which I'm like, eh, he's cool to play as, but I just, I try to imagine him as the Robert England one. <laughs> yeah, better than nothing, but ew. Yeah, just like, eh, I, I hated that movie. And then you got uh, Leatherface in there, uh, Ghostface, Michael Myers is in there. Yep. Uh, who else is in there? That uh, The thing from Stranger Things. The Demogorgon, um, the yeah. Demogorgon, yeah. I was going to say Cockademon, but I think that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Then you also get cool survivors too, right? You do, yeah. There's a bunch of survivors. Uh, Ash from Evil Dead is in the game. You get a bunch of like the, the characters from the game. Uh, and they just recently did the, the thing with Silent Hill. Yeah. So, yeah, you get uh, Cheryl from the Silent Hill games and you get Pyramid Head as the killer. And at first, when I first saw it, I, I kind of get like, when I see gameplay of something that I don't know how to play, I get like confused. I'm like, uh, like a little bit anxious. But no, once you get the hang of it, it's a really fun, really simple game. A match can take maybe eight to 10 minutes if, if it goes on for long enough, maybe 15. So it's really all up to the players to work together. And you can't kill the killer. You can't really defend yourself against the killer so there's that it's basically just hiding and uh, running so this game really implements uh, the chase scene so which I really like too because in Friday the 13th the game it was more about the kills 
and uh, you die pretty quickly in that. So it's more about like there's just the Jason killing the camp counselors and just the different ways to kill them. Yeah, exactly. This one, imp- yeah, this one implements more of the suspense of the chase. So in like horror movies where the killer's chasing, you know, the survivor, and the game's mostly that. The kills are like the last, like the kills are almost like an afterthought because basically you don't get killed unless they have a specific perk. But yeah, they sacrifice you. But the thing is, it's all about the chase. And that's what I think is suspenseful about it because once the chase starts going, the heartbeat starts going louder, the music starts getting louder. So they did a really good job with trying to make what you get with like the chase scenes and horror movies into a game. Yeah. And they definitely build up the ambiance of the killer, right? Because, you know, when you play like Left 4 Dead and you get to play as the undead or when you play that game like Prey, for instance, where it's basically all against one, it gets, like you said, really frustrating. And even to, to an extent, like the Friday the 13th game where you're like, fuck, like this isn't working the way I want to or like, great, I walked into the cabin and my arm clipped through and now everybody knows where I am, like little things like that. And so I, I give this game a lot of credit because it definitely it seems more cinematic than a lot of it. Like with Friday the 13th, it was a lot of like, oh, I want to just see all of these things. And then I kind of just don't care about picking it up again. Whereas this, it was seeing the whole product together, right? It is. Yeah, that's exactly how I see it. And uh, the developers always change things in there. So for each holiday, um, it's pretty cool. They just did like the Halloween event. So the, the maps change and everything to be like more jack-o'-lantern-y and more Halloween-y. And then for... When Christmas comes around, they're going to do like snow and then they have like Fourth of July. Uh, So it's cool how they change it up like that. Just it gives the game a lot of life. Yeah, I think they did 18 different DLCs just in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So that's awesome to keep. You know, the, the new model of gaming where it's like, okay, well, you have your base and then you add to it, like your GTA 5 or whatever, where, yeah, the game's going to cost you X. Really, where we're going to get you is guaranteed content with DLC because you can't buy that used, obviously. Exactly. And uh, so I got to give kudos to this game because I've never in my life bought, bought DLC for a game. I always thought that was kind of like, why the fuck am I going to buy an outfit yeah. for this character? But uh, this one, I ended up, yeah, maybe I think I only spent maybe like 30 bucks in total on just like the different characters characters and a few outfits and stuff just to kind of stand out because I got really into it. I'm like, oh man, you know, now when I'm playing as the clown, I'm going to be dressed as Santa Claus and, you know, I think it'll be cool. You know, I don't see it, but the other people do. So it just, it it works with the psychology and I think that's kind of how we're going to see games from now on, you know, less of a, uh, you know, less of a finished product, more of a one that keeps on going for DLC. It's almost like a, you know, how Netflix does its streaming service where you pay monthly or your subscription. Exactly. I think games are going to end up that way. So where it's just not a finished, you know, it's never going to be finished because it's const- it's a subscription. It's like a monthly thing that you get different. So that's interesting. Well, yeah. And you see a lot of that when it comes to games where you, you know, you're not playing the finished game and it's all behind the paywall after it. And you see a lot of people get bitter towards that. But look at how much fucking money games like Fortnite or PUBG have made off of all the little accoutrement that you can have. Yeah, the base model is fucking free. But that's like also your playable demo. Like, here you go. And then if you like it, you give us money directly and that's the way it works. And, you know, like you said, some of it's silly, but like horror audience is probably the best group of people to go, hey, do you want to collect everything? And they'll be like, yes, I would like to collect absolutely everything. Oh, do you also have Dead by Daylight on VHS and Laserdisc, sir? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that'll be soon. That'll be soon. Right. But yeah, so the, the great thing about this, too, is, uh, you know, you don't have to. I think I got it for free on, on PlayStation. They, like, I believe last October they did it uh, where it was a free download. And that's when I got hooked to it. But yeah, I enjoy it. And, and I'm versatile. And I, I've met people that even aren't into horror that love playing the, the game as well, too. So it's it's got a lot of steam. And, and sadly, to say, I don't know if you saw the news, but uh, Friday the 13th, I believe, next month 
they're sending out their final patch and uh, they're closing servers. Oh. So the game's going to die, unfortunately. I think it's. I think it'll still be uh, matched per person. So whoever gets to play Jason, they're the ones that uh, basically, if, if their internet connection sucks and the game's going to drop, you know. So it's, it's it's all individual hosting now. That's a fucking bummer because I feel like whenever I'm playing as Jason, it's always just like that's the buggiest that the game gets for me. Which obviously he does the most shit. So like obviously he's going to have the most issues, but still it gets a little frustrating. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I enjoyed that game too. So I'll, I'll still keep it as like collector's uh, item here because I have it on the PlayStation and the Switch. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So the, the Switch, yeah, that's one thing I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot it was on the Switch. But yeah, I enjoyed a lot. And if, if you guys have, uh, you know, now, it, now it, you can connect with anybody on any console. So hey, if you guys jump on Dead by Daylight, download it and add me. My uh, PS4 name is Tro. I'm a Doug. Perfect for you. So add me on there. <laughs> yeah. But I guess another cool thing too. So before I end on Dead by Daylight here, what I found out is that uh, Behavior, uh, the the company that that's behind Dead by Daylight, yeah. they also worked on uh, one of my favorite PS1 games, Jersey Devil. So Oh, we were talking about that what when we did Nightmare Creatures 2, right? Yeah. And I saw that on there. I'm like, wait a minute, Behavior? And yeah, it's a little Canadian uh, Canadian studio that, that did Jersey Devil. And um, then, I, then I was trying to go back and play. I'm like, is this like... And I'm like, no, it's stupid. I keep thinking of it like to see what the resemblance is if they used anything from back in you know the jersey devil days or the level layouts and stuff like that but maybe the spirit's the same of just like you know we're just gonna make everything as horary as possible like all of the pickups are gonna be horary and whatnot but yeah i don't imagine it goes much beyond that yeah but yeah i seriously enjoyed it and i'm not i'm not big into like new games and stuff like that like I said, the Crash Bandicoot, uh, you know, Atari Classics, Pac-Man. I love all that stuff, and this game just really, uh, really stuck with it. It's like I said, it, it reminds me of a Reverse Pac-Man. So the gameplay is very simple, but every match is very entertaining and suspense. And that's because they they really went in and made it uh, a, a big deal to get the ambiance. Uh, and the suspense music going when the chase is going, because that's what this game's about, the chase. And I love it, because I don't know any game that's like that, where it gives you that much anxiety and suspense for being chased. Yeah, or where it doesn't feel like one side is completely OP, right? Like in that game, Prey, like if you get a good one, you're just on a ripper and you just destroy everything. But also on the antithesis, there are times you just can't get a fucking thing going. And it's just like, it's just, there's no back and forth struggle. And that's something I think that Dead by Daylight's pretty damn good about doing is making it both sides get a little give and take. So yes, somebody is eventually losing, but it doesn't feel like, well, fuck, I'm just not going to waste my time. Yeah, exactly. And the game doesn't punish you for not, because uh, the idea of it is is to hang all four characters but you also get points if you do it, like if you're just mean to the players, you get them all downed at once, uh, basically just playing around with them. So, you know, if, you, if you're if you on a good run, it makes you feel like, man, I feel like I feel like a god. I feel like a slasher running around here. Yeah, I feel powerful. I get to stick it to all those Karens at Trader Joe's who wouldn't wear a fucking mask over their nose. Yeah, take that, Karen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I do sometimes. I'm like, oh, Karen, you want to mess with me? I put the person on the hook and then I just keep beating them up. Yeah, <laughs> like a pinata from hell. Yeah. So I just keep doing it. And I think the other players get annoyed because that's the other thing, too. They they uh, they disconnect sometimes if you're being too considered toxic. Huh. Yeah. I, th- there's these unwritten rules 
Um, maybe it's just on the PlayStation. I don't know because some, I get a lot of messages from they're probably like kids or something like that, just trying to troll. But anytime I win or I, I hang someone, then the then I get a message like "You fucking suck! How dare you!" Uh, the, the, for, I always get the thing tunneling. They say "You fucking tunneler." I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I get the fuck out, and I'm like, what the hell is tunneling? So I googled it, like tunneling in Dead by Daylight, and I guess that's when you aren't being fair to other players and you keep chasing one. So every, oh, like, like there's tunnel other distractions. Vision. Yeah, so you're just following one survivor and just giving them a hard time. Gotcha. And I'm like, well, that's the point of the game, you know what I mean? It's Yeah, literally, it's that's why players. you're playing this instead of fucking Pokemans. Pokemon Go in your living room. That's The fact that I keep getting advertisements for that is really pissing me off, I'll tell you. Pokemon Go? I don't think you want to go anywhere right now with Pokemon Go. So oh no, they're advertising that it's like in your house. Like, you just get to sit on your fat ass and catch Bulbasaurzies. Uh, well, maybe I could try doing that when I take my royal bath and try to get one of those uh, jellyfish Pokemons in the drains. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, I just had to, I had to bend forward and I, I found the jellyfish. There we go. And so for my topic this week, we're talking about a great director uh, whose work includes tons of, unfortunately not documented on IMDb, but tons of commercial work, Chris McEnroy. And Chris is a super nice, very well-spoken guy incredibly thoughtful he's very motivated by a lot of the same things that we are and i got to sit down and talk with him about a bunch of his short works and also his newest one gorgor which he did for the election to shock the vote and basically if you can take five seconds click the link in the description and you'll see it's just a two minute video but it's a really fun psa that's not pretentious in any point in circumstance hmm, it's interesting yeah so he's done a bunch of shorts my personal favorite uh, i kind of keep fluctuating and i think even in my interview i say oh this is my favorite well this is my favorite but what got me onto him in the first place was a short he did called we summoned a demon which we actually had reviewed on the show or we had mentioned on the show previously and because of that i actually reached out and was like hey do you maybe want to do an interview and he's like oh fuck yeah i don't have anything else going on let's go baby and he called me baby and it was very sweet of him to do also <laughs> none of that happened but i'll move on so we summoned a demon i truly in my heart of hearts feel is the correct successor to the gate not the gate two go with we summon a demon and he had also done another film called death metal which is super fun i think kind of if peter jackson's bad taste or dead alive met the pick of destiny by tenacious d mm, that's a mix i'd like to see so are these all on youtube or are they on uh they're on vimeo which is a good point so uh, you can vimeo. find his entire link and everything in the description as well and it'll be great fun i mean i think the longest one is like five minutes they're super easy breezy really easy to get into and they have a, a great gory emphasis which i think is so fun i mean you and i have talked about our love of like comedic gore and he does it truly very well mm, okay cool yeah well we need more of that especially nowadays with the you know, you know i haven't really seen any movies like with that over the top like bad taste terror firmer uh dead alive gore poultry so geist this, poultry geist yeah that was another good one too well that, that's more exploding diary all over the walls yeah <laughs> a different kind of gore yeah so awesome. But, well, here we go, everybody. Enjoy this interview with Chris McEnroy. This is Slashers, and I'm still too awkward to know how to cue in an interview. With me tonight, Chris McEnroy, my good friend, my buddy, my pal, director of pretty much every, like you had mentioned, talking about my favorite of your short films. And I would like to answer with D, all of the above, even your music video that you've done. So how's it going, dude? 
Oh, it's going great, man. Thanks for having me uh, on your show. This is cool. Yeah, I don't want to start off by gargling your nuts in my mouth, but I kind of have to because like literally when I stumbled on We st- Summoned a Demon, it was like, this guy fucking gets it. This is the guy who was glued to movies like The Gate, just like me. Oh, my God. I got to show you something. Oh, yeah. I Dude. have The Gate tattoo VHS right there. That fucking rips <laughs> so hard. <sighs> Yes, I'm a huge fan of the game. I, it's hard to remember exactly what my first horror film was because my memories are all foggy. But I think it might have been the gate on VHS when I was a kid because it just is so strong in my memory. And, and like when I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this and I remember that. And like it was terrifying as a kid. For oh, sure. yeah. When you watch it now, it's, it holds up. It's awesome. But it's uh, not as terrifying, I would guess. Um, but yeah. Yeah, especially like it's one of those movies that's got such great visual beats that even if it's years in between viewings, you know what's going to happen. And so it's it's almost like when there's like a, a pro wrestler who does like the same three big moves. You're like, oh, here comes that part where he does the thing. And then yeah. boom, the little goblin guys are running around and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm way in I don't know if the, the 80s movies for sure. If that's where you're getting at, too. Oh, like, yeah, all dude. the 80s practical effects uh, are my favorite things, man, for sure. Yeah, I'm actually so my biggest jam is always the 80s. You know, like I, my favorite movie of all time is Monster Squad and stuff. But it's it's oh, a sweet God. sport, like where you get the practice practical effects but you get like camp and you get technology and stuff but now i'm starting to get into like late 70s stuff too with all the jaws ripoffs and everything because tubi's a treasure trove so man i'm expanding my horizons yeah yeah i i mean i'm right there with you because like i didn't get a few early start on horror films so i was maybe like 13 when i really started getting into them so there's a whole bunch of stuff that i haven't seen or is like super obscure that wasn't in my little video store you right. know uh, that i'm discovering now and stuff like sub shutter or yeah. things that get like special release like on vinegar syndrome or something fuck yeah dude arrow video and everything yeah and what's crazy is like the amount of shit that's like i don't know how i can put an episode out with no copyrighted contact and get like completely flooded with spam on youtube but motherfuckers are uploading entire movies from the 80s with no problem so there are plenty of times where i stumble on some like ripped vhs copy of i don't know what I'm like, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah, I have never seen popcorn and I keep seeing it pop up. I think that might have been 91 actually, but I, I've never seen it and I keep seeing it like pop up in people's lists and things and it's like nowhere to be found. But I saw that it was somebody uploaded it on YouTube uh, yesterday and I was going to watch it, but now it's gone. Fuck. So Narcs. Yes. <laughs> so going hand in hand with, you know, movies like The Gate, it obviously there's like metal and stuff. Like what kind of music are you digging these days? Man, my Spotify rotation has been like the same for, for months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there was a new Gojira song that I kind of was into, but I, I didn't like it as much as their older stuff. Um, I've been listening to like older stuff like uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre and yeah. like Joy Division and just that type of vibe going on more than um, like hardcore lately. I even will throw on like 90s stuff that I was into, like the grunge stuff from Alice in Chains and Nirvana and uh, Primus. Like I'm always in Primus. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, yeah. if you want bass guitar, you listen to Rush, you listen to Primus and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like when I'm stationary, like I, I, the hardcore is probably my favorite type of music. But mm-hmm. dude, if I'm just sitting staring at a wall for hours, I'm like, I can't do it. Like my heart's gonna explode in my fucking chest. Like, yeah. just let me listen to late era Elton John, and I'll be fine. I can get through the workday without punching someone. 
Yeah, I think it's more when I'm driving, I listen to the harder stuff. But if I'm just sitting at home, like I'm working from home right now, I don't know, you might be too, but like I don't, I can't have it blaring while I'm trying to work. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things when I was in law school, I was getting really into like weird binaural beats and like synth music and stuff. And mm-hmm. I really dropped off after that. But then now with like, you know, having to focus at work and everything, I'm listening to a lot of that stuff again. And I feel like yeah. a weird like robot man when I get off. It's super odd. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm still even like I will listen to old Metallica too. I even I have a Metallica tattoo, Ride the Lightning, because it was yeah. I don't know if you can't really see it, but it's right there. Is that a critter um, I also but, see? Yeah, it's a punk rock critter. Dude, He's you're like my new best friend. Yeah. That fucking rips. (laughs) I don't know if your viewers can see this. We'll have to describe it, all the details. Yeah. I did one video one, but then it's, it goes back to YouTube being the devil. So maybe we yeah. can have you back someday and we can ju- just talk tattoos and we'll yeah, do a video yeah, version. Yeah, mine are all movie based or whatever. That's awesome. And you've got great style too. You're a, a neo-traditional guy. That's what I like. I have so many friends who have these beautiful like portraiture style tattoos. And I'm like, yeah, but like there's this thing called age and the sun mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. will look like a splotchy blob. But you know, yeah. no judgment, no judgment. Everybody hey, takes hey. care of their shit different. That's true. Get what you want, I guess. You're paying for it. Yeah. Are you doing Saniderm when you're healing these days? Um, is Saniderm the um burn like bandage? Yeah. Yes. I, that's the last three that I've gotten. He, he's put that on there, and it's amazing. And I don't have much like slime all over the place anymore. It's just like you leave it on there for like five days, take it off, you're done. Dude, if I could build a time machine, like I wouldn't go back and shoot Hitler as a baby or do any of that stuff. I would just go back to when I got my entire back done and Saniderm the shit out of that because I had so many sessions doing the exact same parts of my back over and over just like pouring ink into my skin and it's just like the healing process because you know it's three in the fucking morning right your stupid saran wrap falls off and it's just getting dry and you're like well fuck it you know it'll hurt when i have to go back but i need five more minutes of sleep so say la vie Oh, man. And you're probably sleeping on your stomach. Right. All the time. Yeah. So do you have a favorite tattoo since we're on the topic? Oh, man, that's tricky. I'm a huge uh, werewolf fan. So like this, I don't I have a pretty big werewolf on my arm. Hell like, yes. He's wearing, he's wearing plaid, uh, plaid flannel, like red. Like you just kind of picture that as a werewolf. I love it. Yeah. And it's kind of a generic werewolf. It's not specific to any movie, but um yeah, I, I'm way into werewolves. Like that's going to be my first feature film. What we're trying to make right now is a werewolf horror comedy. Fuck yes! And it's it's like uh, Die Hard. Um, it's all in one building, but it's uh, instead of the terrorists, it's werewolves keeping all these people in a hospital. What, dude? Yeah, you just described like the perfect movie. I hope so. Yeah. So we're trying, the script's in a good spot. We were getting kind of close um, in March before the pandemic hit and everything's kind of like in a holding pattern now. We're just still working on the script and trying to see what we can do, but it's definitely not a movie that can be shot safely right now in terms of like how many people are involved and it's all enclosed in a hospital. There's not like a lot of outdoor things. So it, um, it would need more like a big ensemble cast and like a lot of crew and stuff. So just makeup touch-ups alone. You're talking about like five, 10 people, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's more than one werewolf, which is tricky. Um, I'm, I tried to write it in a way where you could maybe at one time on screen, you'd only see two. Um, okay. so we could maybe try to just reuse suits or like do whip pans, you know, like, Oh, there's so many in this room. Whip. There's another yep. one. Whip, another one. 
<laughs> so we'll That's see, Chud, but, yeah. dude. I don't know if you remember the scene with John Goodman in the diner. There's one fucking Chud, but they do the whip cam and you're like, oh, there's another at the window. Yeah. Oh, damn. I got to check that out. I haven't seen that forever, man. Oh, man. It, Stern just like chews the scenery in the best way. And it's such a fun <laughs> like movie to go back to. But let's talk about you. I'm not going to go like garble his nards. I'm going to garble yours. So We Summoned a Demon is, I got to say, up until your new PSA was my favorite. I love it. How did that come to be? Well, that that short came to be um, just trying. I wanted to make something. What I do for a living is work for commercials. I direct commercials, and like to keep me sane, I need to do things where I don't have to listen to people and I can do my own thing. Yeah. And like, I like comedy and I like horror and things I can't do in commercials. So at, at one point, maybe a few months before I wanted to shoot something, I someone came up to me and was like, "Hey, Chris, I have a warehouse. If you ever want to shoot something, just let me know." I'm like, okay, there it is. Bing. What can I think of that comes? Can I shoot in a warehouse? Yeah. Um, and then like, talking about the gate again, I had a gate poster on my wall, and I was just like looking at it one night, I'm like, "Man, I love demons so much. Why don't I make something with a demon?" And it just kind of started going like that, and then. At one point, it was like, well, the, the ball has been moving so fast and it's we can't stop now, so we have to make it. And then I did a Kickstarter for it um, to raise the money. And um, there it is, man. It, it, your shorts... I've I, Anybody who's listened to our show knows like I'm a huge proponent of short films, especially short horror. The only pitfall for that is so often stuff looks cheap. And you know your stuff always looks fucking beautiful your lighting your contrast your saturation it's all on point how hard is that to achieve with such a small like i imagine your shooting schedule is pretty condensed and everything your post-production's got to be kind of quick right yeah i mean the shooting wise we only shot for two days and like you kind of have to get it all done in the two days because there's you only have so much money and all and time because like you know i want to pay my crew a amount like it's small compared to their usual day rates but at least it's something but yeah they add a whole other day would would you know would be like another five thousand dollars or something crazy so um it's got to be very uh planned out um and I, a lot of people that I'll, i work with a lot like i hire them for commercials where they, maybe they'll give me some favors on these things too you know there you go but yeah the lighting i've used the same director of photography on all four of these things and um he's great man we kind of like talk at the beginning and pre-pro and just figure out a look that we want to go with and this one was very like argento yeah. 80s red and violet um lighting especially once the demon shows up like before it's sort of just you know dark and creepy but once the blood has been spilled and the demon shows up it goes into like more of a dark creepy world kind of your upside down stranger things type thing i totally get that oh yeah yeah <laughs> so he, he, when he comes out of the ground is that what you're talking about exactly yeah just like that kind of like it's you still know where you're at geographically but everything has shifted Right. And to go yeah, to your another gone. point that you made was as far as like, you know, you only get to do this shit once for a lot of it, right? Cuz like when you did death metal, those gore effects in that, like I I can't imagine you had the wardrobe for that lady get to get sprayed with blood from the baby carriage like a thousand times, right? It's it's one and done. Yeah, that's so that's way correct, man. So especially being out in the middle of nowhere too. We were like in the park, in a public park, and there's no way to reset. Like we can't really wash her hair and blow dry her hair and change wardrobes. So a lot of that stuff is we just rehearse it and rehearse it, rehearse it, and then we go for it. And thankfully a lot of these times it's worked. Um I know for the lady that you're talking about that gets sprayed with blood from the baby carriage. Yeah. We were able to get two takes out of her and I just knew I was gonna cut into it afterwards so I could just get a close 
blockbuster shot and get more blood of her spraying. But yeah, the wide shot with the axe that goes through the, the baby carriage, like that was a one take because we had a string ta- like tied to the um, carriage so we could pull it so it would seem like an axe went through it. Yeah. So that part was practical. Obviously, the axe is fake, but yeah. um, that was all timed out. And I was pretty proud of that one for sure. It's all, it takes them like a little orchestra, a lot of choreography to get these effects right. Yeah, and like even, you know, going to bad guy number two, like my favorite scene of that is the acid scene. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's another thing where you could tell that it's like meticulously planned, you know, incremental steps. And it's it's also let me know if this is true in your mind in working in comedy. If you don't leave breadcrumbs to get to the punchline, a lot of times people are like, oh, it's just absurdist. and They disregard it. And so that scene specifically, you're like, here is the acid. We've established that it's dangerous. We get a joke in the beginning. You know, you get the release of tension when he almost drops it. But then when he lifts it over his head and the, the true like, you know, pop happens, it's just so intense. Is the comedic element half of the planning on that? Yeah, it has to be just because you need to you need to set it up in some way. And then usually what I do is use the gore as the big punchline yeah. and have it over the top. Like it's all like you said, it's set up, you know he's got acid, but they're talking so like genuinely and like calm and you don't really expect anything to happen. But then when it does happen, you gotta ramp it up for sure. Otherwise it won't have any effect. Yeah, and it's like a release. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as a like a scream or a, in a horror film or something that you're really scared of a jump, and then you're like, ah, oh, okay, calm down. Yeah. Or similar to that is like you scream and then you laugh it off. Exactly. And, you're scared. and then and that's kind of where horror and comedy combine together. Although I, you know, definitely my stuff doesn't lean too much into the horror or the scary part of horror. It's more just like the gore and and monsters and demons and stuff. I think that that's one of the things about your films and short films specifically is it's such a great barometer, right? Because I knew so many horror fans who were just out and out, like straight up, like if it doesn't have Boris Karloff in it, it doesn't count as horror. And then I'm the guy who's like, no, 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 like horror can and should be really funny. Like here's Brain Dead, you know, here's these other films. And so in looking at your stuff, it's great because you get that a tremendous juxtaposition, but then it's 10 minutes. So if you have some fucking elitist douchebag who's going to try and be like, no, if it doesn't have this, it doesn't count as horror or whatever, then they've only yeah. spent 10 minutes. So they can't be too aggrieved, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, if, it, if it's, a, you know, it's a short film, it's going to be over soon if you don't like it. <laughs> right. Like, honestly, people keep trying to get me to watch Veronica and I'm like, I'm going to watch it for the show, but I'm not just going to like watch it to watch it. Like, I know that's bad and I know it's a huge time investment, right? If it was like 10 minutes, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll watch it 50 times and then I'll watch, you know, all of Danzig's music videos and masturbate. It's fine. (laughs) I haven't watched it yet. I definitely know what you're talking about, though. Dude, people are so cruel. Like you were talking about like online reviews and stuff. It's just like, man, I don't know that I can be that sassy in my review of that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, another thing with Bad Guy Number Two's uh, acid effect too, we shot that in um, three uh, makeup stages as well, yeah. so we could stay on schedule talking about making our days and money and stuff. Like, so the part where Bad Guy Number Two is like talking to him about like stop, drop, and roll, and do you want me to pee on it? Yeah, <laughs> like, we shot that while Will, the guy who dumps acid on it, was in the makeup chair. So he was just you know re- we would turn the camera, shoot all his reactions, and then we when Will was ready out of makeup, we'd shoot him. He would go back to makeup. We'd come back to Kirk and shoot him. So nice. it's kind of like, you know, it has to be really planned out too when you when you have a bunch of gore effects like that. 
And then, you know, it gets to the completely absurd part where it's just a skull with flapping skin on top of it. And it's yeah. just, it's so good. It's so silly. And he, and- he vomits just bile. It's just so much. I remember we, we, that was take two. And the guys, the next guy was like, I have more left. And I'm like, dude, crank it up. He's like, all right, I'll put all. So at the very end, like it even got um, the camera guy moved and like, cause it was kind of spraying. So we got it, but then there was more we could have gotten, but he's like, oh. Um, but we definitely got enough. But yeah, that was a geyser for sure. Don't you love like those organic moments? Like, you know, people often talk about Savini when it comes to Kevin Bacon's throat in Friday the 13th because the fucking pump broke. So that's him blowing into a tube. And just like oh, the no. great happenstance of something working like that is so fun. Or like, you know, in uh, Evil Dead when he's you know throwing the dirt and then just his face is not covered with the piles. Like, that's so cool. Like, are there any other moments in your things that just like kind of by chance made it awesome yeah um one we um, we summoned a demon it's it's maybe reverse we were trying to do a big effect for when carlos and kirk are talking about how they're going to get past the demon that's kind of blocking the exit yeah and uh he takes his finger and puts a cross on his forehead and starts chanting well there was going to be like a huge scene where he digs his finger into the cut in his hand and it's all gross and blood spraying everywhere but we didn't have time so I was like, all right, guys, the only the funny part of this scene now is the chant. So what do we do? And Carlos came back and did that whole John Travolta thing. So like good. that wasn't the script. And I was like, oh, my God, that is, amazing. That is like, so like, awesome. It's so funny. So, yeah, it made the cut for sure. But that was definitely uh, not planned. And so you recently did a PSA and d- encourage people to vote. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that came to be? Yeah, it was an organization in Austin called Shock the Vote reached out to me. And they were, you know, they're an organization that's raising money for six uh, Austin nonprofits and trying to raise awareness for voting this year. And um, also it's October and they're very into horror things. So it's kind of like horror themed stuff. They're doing a lot of driving events like tonight they're showing sinister with the writer who has a local austin guy Bitchin'. and then pet cemetery they did last weekend oh. and, um, and you then, see this uh, tattoo right here you see this oh, tattoo, right tattoo here? time Look is that, that the cat hell yeah, yeah. nice dude i got church nice. i got a wendigo and everything that's like oh, such man. my jam nice yeah dude they uh and then they showed scream and then they showed my psa before it fuck yeah which was cool but anyways they reached out and asked if i would be interested in making a voting psa like a horror theme thing and i'm like well can there be blood and gore and and they said yes I'm like okay i'm in <laughs> i imagine they were like in fact there must be <laughs> yeah I, the only thing they said was you know keep it um don't like say this is trump and here's his head has exploded try to keep it uh what's the word bipartisan maybe yeah, is the word neutral and everything neutral yeah yeah but yeah so uh you know i pitched them an idea i was like what about you know there's this president guy and these dudes really like sandwiches and then he's like i'm gonna ban sandwiches and you know yeah go with that and then i wrote it like an hour later and that's kind of what happened and then we ended up shooting it pretty fast like uh, maybe a week later that's awesome Um, obviously there was like no you know no budgets non-profits so a lot of people came together for the cause and they donated their time and their skills and it was really awesome to be able to do that and it's it's getting some good traction too which is nice like a lot get a lot of eyeballs on it yeah man i'm proud of it for sure it's probably the first thing i've ever made that has a message of some sort yeah, right. it's more than just like heads exploding yeah <laughs> 
Well, it's yeah. got to feel like cathartic, right? I mean, a lot of work goes into that minute and 22 seconds and to see people pick it up and go with it. That's awesome. That's just, I, I can't imagine what that must feel like. Uh, it's felt good. It's weird because a lot of the times these short films, we travel around to film festivals and we get to sit in the audience with them and like feel the energy and the laughter and, you know, people come up and say they like it and do a Q&A or whatever. Yeah. So this one is a little bit different in its delivery where it just went online right away. But I'm still, you know, getting nice notes from people and like just playing some film festivals and virtual editions and, you know, getting picked up by different blogs and things. But yeah, man, it's, it's, I love that people like it. Um, you said you liked it, which is awesome for it's me. It's my new favorite <laughs> thing you've done. And that's coming <laughs> so from a guy like if you go through the history of this show, I've mentioned we summoned a demon at least 12 times in our hundred plus episodes. Dude, that's so cool, man. I really appreciate that. I love it. And I just, I like, it's so like in sync with what I love about horror and what I love about, you know, because like, you know, bad guy number two isn't necessarily horror. It's just like, it's absurdly violent and gory. And so that's yeah. one of those things like there's a tremendous overlap. And I'm always the guy advocating that like, you know, in bad guy number two, the acid scene, that reminds me of RoboCop, which is like my top two favorite movies. And I will go, you know, on my dying breath, will say RoboCop could constitute as a horror movie. And yeah. so it's like all in your interpretation. And that's totally, one of the things. That, is it scary with the interpretation, like you said, of Gorgar, where people are just going to be like taking some message that's not intended to be there? Because like you said, it's neutral. It's just encouraging people to engage in the electoral process. But, you know, I'll never forget, you know, a couple of years ago, I think it was some news station was like, it, you know, it said like some like kill all fascists. And the news organization was like anti-Trump graffiti found here. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, that's adding a lot to it. It's just the word fascist. And so are you worried about that kind of negative clusterfuck i i haven't seen anything like that happen yet with good. gorgar so i'm feeling okay good yeah but hey talking about robocop melting scene i don't know if you've seen our segment in scare package um have you seen that movie yeah actually that's the, the most recent thing that you had done right i think yeah, i've only it, seen your clip though the one time in the oh, woods okay. yeah one time in the woods that's got a great melting guy in there i don't if you love the robocop melting Fuck scene yeah if, yeah. you know, your movies because you have two of them robocop and then street trash i guess you could get into other body melt films but like i love that effect it's so severe like being burned alive would suck but like imagine the sensation of watching yourself turn into a puddle like that's such a fun grotesque <laughs> thing to me that whenever i see it that's like one of my all-time favorite effects and like concepts yeah uh and you know I, there's so many good body melts in 80s movies too oh, yeah, like dude. um I was just thinking about uh, the one in Fright Night when the dude's on the stairs. And yes. uh, even like Chucky in Child's Play 2 when he dies at the end. That Hell is yeah. such a good melt. Oh my God. Yeah, man. Melting is one of the best things in 80s movies and I hope it keeps going. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure out a way for your werewolves to melt in your upcoming feature. Just Oh, dude, don't worry. There's a lot of goo, a lot of goo going on. There we go. Maybe some silver nitrate or something like that. But for everybody wondering, you can find Chris's work in the episode description of this. And please, I encourage you to check out everything thing and support in whichever way you can one thing that's kind of frustrating for short filmmakers is monetization sucks so support share make get those views so we can get that sweet sweet ad revenue well no you're doing you vimeo there's no real ad revenue for you right yeah but i gotta i gotta tell you this funny thing real quick i just uh we summon a demon is on troma now yes and it's dude been on there, it's been on there for a year 
and I just got a check for a dollar and seven cents for fuck my Reddit. Yes, dude. I got a check from Troma though. That's cool as fuck. That's dope. <laughs> I'm gonna send you some information from my buddy uh, Ken, who runs B Movie TV. My co-host Doug, he hosts Friday Night Action, and I think that a lot of your stuff could be really cool material on there if you're into nice. it. Yeah, thank you. All right, man. Well, for Chris, I'm Jake saying goodbye and good die. And that was my interview with Chris McEnroy, director of We Summon a Demon, Death Metal, Scare Package, Perfect Sense, Hilarious, Bad Guy Number Two, Capture Clause, Recently Deceased, Exit Bench Day, Jar of Grasshoppers, and Perfect Sense. Mm-mm. That was very interesting. I'd love to give this a watch after it after it's over. So. <laughs> Well, there we go. I'm uh, really happy to give uh, Chris a platform. If anybody else, if you know anybody who's an aspiring filmmaker, game designer, artiste, anybody who you think that you'd like to hear more of, whether selfishly for your own reasons or somebody who you know who you'd like to promote, please send them our way. I can't guarantee I'll get everybody on, but I would really love to be able to share our meager following with other creative types. Exactly. And the more hosts on here, the more uh, ideas you get to be thrown around too. So that was a good thing. Exactly. And it helps us all develop. And I think a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, we've got friends over at the movie dumpster. They are absolutely killing it with their multimedia lately. And, you know, that's inspiring to me. And, you know, the band Lith who we hosted their Halloween special on our YouTube and everything. It's just fucking amazing to see the stuff that these people are generating. That sense of competition really inspires me. And, uh, you know, if we can keep everything moving forward, full steam ahead, I'm, I'm really excited about what's to come for Slashers. So if you're a Patreon patron, thank you. If you're not, but you're still listening, thank you. If you take five seconds to subscribe or leave a review, thank you. Because goddamn, you would blow your mind to see how metadata just pummels my butthole uh, with uh, just a John Jones style elbow anytime I do a Google search because I just don't pay money to advertise. So yeah, Doug, is there anybody you want to thank or grovel to before we say goodbye today? Mm, Well, I just want to thank all the uh, people that are taking it easy. I don't really have anyone to point out specifically, but uh, all the people that are just taking it easy, you know, while the world burns around you, you know, good for you. Those who are listening out there. Clap to you. You made it. You know, we survived 2020. (laughs) You survived. You'll get to see 2021 and all the horrors it holds. So for Doug, my name is Jake (laughs) saying goodbye and good die. What is up, you butthole tongue ticklers? It's your boy, Cyber Slash 1000. Have I mentioned that this is my segment now and that Jake is a farty fat boy? This week's hidden track is by the Horoscopes, off their new record Hexes. It is called Scissor Hands. Go support them. They are from Hermosillo, Mexico, so liking them will make you cultured or something. <laughs> <laughs>